You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. You have just joined Hip Hop Caucus Thick 100%, the coolest show on climate change. My name is Rev Ewan, and I am the president of the Hip Hop Caucus. And I am Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities. Man, Mustafa, no sides. No just sides. The facts. I, I, I like that. And I want to thank WPFW for hosting us here in the studio and also our supporters from all over uh, the country, good folks from groups like the League of Conservation Voters and the Union of Concerned Scientists, men, and so many of you who have been supportive of this process. Just a big thank you to all of our listeners who tune in each week. We love you all. And you have definitely got to check out the show's blog at think100.info. We take you deeper there on the issues that we talk about, on the experts who are working on these issues. And also be sure to follow us on social media. So go to at think100show on Twitter. You can get us also on Instagram. You definitely want to be a follower. And and if you are, listen, we're going to get into it today um, on this show um, you just, and for those of us who just tuning in, you're tuning in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. And you have to go right now to hashtag Think 100. Was that correct, Mustafa? That is correct, Rev. Hashtag Think 100. Go there now, give your questions, and so we can discuss. So, you know, in this show, this is the coolest show on climate change, but I want to know what's going on in the movement of climate change and what's happening around this process. So, Mustafa, there are a number of things that are going on. First, let me just say, you know, we, we do this show in the DMV for those listening around the country and around the world. That's Washington, D.C. is the District of Columbia, Maryland and Virginia. And locally, uh, we had there's a city here in Howard County, Maryland. And that city is called Ellicott City. And Ellicott City literally got rained out and it had what they were supposed to have is this 100 year type flood. And they had the 100 year flood almost like back to back. And so Mustafa, give folks some background, not only what's going on in Ellicott City, because if people who are listening to the show, folks who are just tuning in to climate change and say, man, it is like raining like everywhere. Everywhere I go, it is raining. So Tell us more about why that's impactful to climate change. And is that just something that's happening in Ellicott City or is it happening in other places around the country? It is happening all across the country. Mm. Folks are talking about these extreme weather events that are happening, these extreme flood events, these extreme rain events that continue to happen Mm. time and time again. So when folks are saying climate change is not real, you're like, have you ever stepped outside? I know that's right. And also, I want to, you know, let, let's anchor this for folks, Rev, let's because sometimes, 
folks don't really get what's going on. They're like, well, my community hasn't been flooded, so it really doesn't matter to mm. me. Let's talk about people's pockets, because when we start talking about money. Come on now. People's eyebrows go up and they're like, no, wait a minute. Let me find out what you're about to talk about here. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the costs that's associated just with these rain and flood events that are going on. So that people have a better understanding of if you don't care just out of an altruistic and care about people in your community and your country, then maybe you'll care about how this is affecting your pocketbook. That's right. So last year, and folks, grab a pen. Come on now. We spent $46 billion in relationship to flood-related events. No, no, you said $46 million? No, $46 billion, billion with a B. So that money has to come from somewhere. So when folks tell you climate change isn't real or they don't want to work on climate policy, they don't want to move forward in the investments that are necessary. This is costing you money because if people deny that these things are happening, they deny that fossil fuels and other things are helping to warm up the planet and causing these more extreme weather events. They are costing you money. Mm. So even if you don't care about people's lives, which I'm sure most people do. You probably you do. do care. <laughs> I yeah, hope you exactly. Care about people's lives. <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you don't, then you know you need to pay attention. Just this past week, 30 million people on the East Coast were under a flood watch. So that means that, you know, there was the possibility oh, of on, an extreme action. I think, hold on, hold on. Now. Yeah, break it you, down. You, you got to slow down on that one because you, yes, you, you're bringing the money, but you just said 30 million, mm -hmm. not 3,000, not 300, not three. 30 million Americans That's were right. under a flood watch. That's right. That's I mean, right. not not just like it's going to rain a lot, but under like you need to get out because you can have some serious damage and will have serious damage if it were regarding these, these floods happening in your community. That's true. That's true. And last year we had $1.9 billion that went out to federal flood insurance claims. So again, that money comes from tax dollars. Mm. So we have to pay attention to what is happening because not only is it costing us uh, individuals' lives, not only is it causing property damage, and maybe we'll get into some of those numbers as well, but it is also costing us from our tax dollars. So we have to get focused here. We can either invest now in addressing these issues that are happening or this will only grow exponentially as each year happens. We know each one degree increase in the heat is causing more and more extreme storms and a number of other things that are happening in this space that we will talk about today. Well, no, no, no. And let's talk about that. For those who are tuning in, you have just tuned in to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. If you want to be a part of this conversation right now, we are doing it through our Twitterverse at hashtag Think 100 and you can just hit us up on there and let us know what you're hearing. If you if you miss some of the numbers regarding the flooding and if you want to get more information about how to get involved to help people who've been flooded. I know that's a big situation, right? Mm -hmm. Folks want to volunteer and help or you can get involved. But Mustafa, let me just go from rain to fire. Man, you know, you can't turn the TV on now and not see these incredible, devastating wildfires that are happening across the West. Uh, of course, they're happening in other locations, too, um, worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. I mean, they're happening. So they're happening in Sweden. 
So folks, listen, let me, let me get, make sure this is clear. This, this, this is serious. I mean, I, I came on and I'm excited and I'm pumped up because that's what I want to do. So you can get it. You can get excited to be active and to be a catalyst for change regarding climate change. Cause this is serious. This is a serious issue. This is not a game. So the things that we're discussing here are issues of life and death. These are not, these are not frivolous. Uh, issue that we're just talking about. These are issues that literally people who are being flooded out or they're having wildfires, these are happening to them right now. So in places like Sweden and in Greece, I mean, in Greece, you got folks who are literally running into the ocean so they don't catch fire. In California, wildfires are raging throughout the world. And in, in places where it is, it is, it is more confident to happen, we're seeing wildfires, and they're also in places where we've never seen a fire rip through before. And they have, Mustafa, they're posing a massive threat to everything in their way, and especially for communities who don't have the means or know how to fight the flames that, that are tearing through. These fires are caused by a triple threat of searing heat, of jet streams that are that are tapping down on pressure and because of the lack of rain so some of us have too much rain mm -hmm. because of the lack of rain making making rain landscapes primed just to light up at the slightest spark the jet stream in particular is acting crazy right now it is looping through towards the poles with high pressure ridges and that is both plummeting around the equator with low pressure thoroughs. Now, let me just say this. The reason why this is so important is that combined with the insane heat brought by climate change makes for prime wildfire weather. There are people right now, Mustafa, who are running for their lives. Yep. And we also, when we don't think critically about climate change or the impacts of climate change, uh, and all these things that are going, we're also putting people's lives in danger. We're putting mm. firefighters' lives in danger. That's right. And sometimes we forget about the people who, you know, will rush into these situations to help to protect and to save individuals. Mm. And we're being selfish by not doing everything that we can to minimize That's right. That's those right. types of uh, situations that are going to happen. So we have a responsibility. So let's also, Rev, anchor this once again for those who only care about the dollar. So we spent $2 billion last year on wildfire cost. So that means, you know, we talked a little bit just a second ago about, you know, some of these rain related and flooding events at $46 billion. Now add another $2 billion on for wildfire cost. So again, if we are not going to get serious about addressing these issues, then we are going to place ourselves in a financial situation that we will have a difficult time in ever being able to escape. And when we have to use dollars for these types of things, that means that it takes it away from other areas and other needs that exist in helping to make sure that our society, that our communities are healthy and strong. And that's why folks who are on the county level, uh, who are in the state houses, who are on the federal level, who are making policy and making decisions about where resources are going to go, we should be also talking to them about these types of situations. But Mustafa, come on, man. Hey, but listen, listen, Mustafa, hold on. If we got folks who are being rained out and they're being flooded yep. and they're losing everything. Right. And on the other side, we have firefighters who are losing their lives. We have folks who are losing their homes. All these things going through. 
We're spending billions upon billions of dollars. So Mustafa, man, tell me, I know these policymakers got to be with it. Well, uh, a few are. (laughs) But then there's also, uh, you know, it's a very curious situation where you have folks who have the facts in front of them. Mm. They see the impacts that are happening to people's lives, both folks losing their lives, people being injured. Um, And, you know, it's the curiousness of the situation is. What's driving people's decision making? Okay, okay. And, and is there well, money that's behind the decisions that on. are pushing people in the wrong direction? Now I know we get we're gonna be talking about a little little bit about money and politics. Yes, so we are. If you're listening, you're tuning in to Think One Hundred Percent, the coolest show on climate change. We just kind of going through what's happening in the movement. We just started touching on just the flooding and the rain, and we're touching on the wildfires. And now Mustafa's kind of breaking down. The obvious, like I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, that you should be engaged. And there's a reason why some folks and and Mustafa's now hitting on that. And we're going to have a discussion later on about money and politics. But Mustafa, let's, let's stay here before we get there. Let's stay here. Mm-hmm. So so I, I just can't I don't understand mm-hmm. why folks who as Americans, you're saying that we have firefighters, citizens, people who are losing their lives, losing everything. Mm -hmm. And we can't create policy on both the climate change side so we can transition from fossil fuels to clean energy, but also policy on the money side, but they're not doing it. They're not doing it in an effective way. Now, we all know that there has been some climate legislation that's been created to help to address some of these situations. But for some reason, it never can seem to make it through to get to a president uh, who can sign it. Um, so we know that we currently have an administration who says that climate change is not real. So if you say it's not real. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I'm sorry. <laughs> hold on, you, I'm just giving them some real talk. <laughs> no, you can get to the real talk. <laughs> but this is the coolest show on climate change. So hold on. There's an administration. Right. Of folks on the federal level, some on the state level, even on the local level who are still refuting the issues regarding what's happening before their very own eyes. They are. They are. And, oh, my goodness. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing. You know, we can we can debate opinions, but you can't debate facts. Come on, I said that again. You can't debate. You mean you can debate opinions, but you can't debate facts. The facts are what they are. Climate change is real. 99% of the scientists have, you know, verified that. The numbers that we are talking about here today are undeniable because, you know, the costs are there uh, and the money has to go out. Um, and insurance agencies who are now saying that climate change is real and they're saying, hey, there are certain places that we won't be able to insure um, as we move forward. So I don't know how much more evidence you need to act. Well, I'm going to say this, Mustafa, you hear about evidence. It is it's hot. It is hot. That's right. And it's hot. Right. It's hot all over the world. And, you know, this is the this is the coolest show because we want things to get cool. We want to make the earth cool again. And so that's why we have the coolest show on climate change. But, you know, it's the things that are happening now that this is actually a very serious. show. let me let me actually take a little different tone on this one, because we are seeing places that have had heat records set this summer that are off the charts mm-hmm. in Japan, Japan hit 106 degrees on Monday. It's hottest temperature ever. I mean, ever, ever, ever. Phoenix set a new record at 116 
degrees. Records fell in parts of Massachusetts, in Maine, Wyoming, Colorado, Oregon, New Mexico, and Texas. I mean, it is, I mean, there are fires going on in the Arctic. In fact, from June 27th, Mustafa, to July 8th, over 400 temp degree, temperature degrees were broken across 37 states. What's crazy to us is that during this time, the U.S. media failed to put these records in the context of climate change. In fact, only 4% of reporters covering these heat waves, which people are literally cooking at home in their states, that they even mention climate change or global warming. And so I just want to make a, a big shout out for those who are listening. Make sure you check out, go online to Think 100 show and you check out more information there. But, uh, but Mustafa, mm. we have children who are literally drowning mm -hmm. because they are trying to stay cool. This is a travesty. And yeah, and even moving beyond our country. Uh, and some folks probably saw some of the reporting on this, that 4% uh, of the reporting that was happening, you know, above the Arctic Circle. Now, you know, when people think about the Arctic Circle, you know, you're thinking about penguins and polar bears and, and ice caps and, mm. you know, a number of different things. Of course, there are many, many uh, additional things that are in that space. When you have temperatures of 90 degrees. In the Arctic. In the Arctic. That's just bananas. I mean, nine degrees in the Arctic. That's I mean, I need folks to let that sink in for a minute. Like the Arctic, the Arctic, like which you know is on fire. And someone just said that there's 90 degrees. Not now. You mean you meant nine degrees, right? That's what no, no, no. I meant exactly what I said. 90 degrees in the Arctic. It's amazing. You know, mm. you go to Siberia, where the permafrost has been frozen for... Stop it, broke out Siberia. Thousands and thousands where, 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 Where's Jonah and Ayinda? Yeah, I don't know this. I know they listen to somewhere. What's happening here, broke out Siberia, y'all? I just want people to get how serious this moment is. And we're just, you know, people are like, well, climate change is something that's 20 or 30 years away. Um, so I've got time to, you know, to sit and ponder and think about what we need to do in this space. It is happening here today. And our most vulnerable communities are the ones who are most impacted. But all yeah, of slow us down there. You got to explain what you mean when you say vulnerable communities. Our vulnerable communities range from communities of color who don't have the resources to be able to, you know, to be able to move away from these impacts that are happening. And then if we are able to sort of fixed situations, they don't have the resources to move back. Mm. Indigenous brothers and sisters who, you know, in many instances are subsistence fishermen and hunters who are now losing uh, parts of their culture and the animals and fish that are a part of their way of life are going to be disappearing and are disappearing. Also, our elders are in that vulnerable community. So when we have these events, Rev, that we're talking about, these heat events, let's just focus on that. Mm. And if seniors can't make it to cooling centers and they have to deal yeah. with temperatures, triple digit temperatures, then we lose them. We saw a number of years ago in Chicago when we had yeah. that great heat event, all of the elders and others uh, who we lost in that space. So we need to stop playing in relationship to these issues. This is serious. This is, as we often say, not a partisan issue. This is not no, a Democratic not or Republican or an independent issue. As you often say, this is a human issue. That's right. Let's stop playing.
my mom listens to the show and I know I haven't said amazing yet, I don't think, so I haven't really been able to give her the shout out on that on that part. But the reality, I remember she used to work with a lot of people and seniors for a large part of her career. And and I'm just thinking as I was you're talking about that. I mean, when you don't when you're already trying to cut back on sometimes you bunch of vulnerable communities, you're trying to cut back because it's so hot in your house and you're you're cutting off the air conditioning because you don't want to, you don't want to pay. You can't afford that. You can't afford it. You can't afford it. And you literally are sitting as with one fan and you literally, we have seniors who are cooking y'all cooking in in their homes. And Mustafa is talking about what happened in Chicago, but it's still happening. I mean, when you have temperatures that are 116 degrees in Phoenix, you have, I mean, over 400, 400, Temperature records that were broken across 37 states just from June 27th to July 8th. I mean, it's not a game, y'all. I'm telling y'all. I mean, this is this is not this is not a game. And and even before I can, Mustafa, you know me. I'm 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 from Louisiana. I know mm-hmm. my, my my parents and folks are from they're from Trinidad, but I'm I'm from Louisiana. So as we're talking about floods and we're talking about heat waves and we're talking about wildfires, it, it, it's hurricane season. Yeah. And um, so, and because of all the heat, you know, we are seeing warmer oceans, thus more moisture vapor in the air. Communities across the Gulf Coast, where my folks have come from, Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands are still recovering from record storms from Harvey and Irma and Maria. Shout out to those who are in the Virgin and Tapa, who are our video a uh, 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 guy who's here with us um, all the time, who's from the Virgin Islands, and the U.S. Virgin doesn't get enough uh, on, on that. And we, we're definitely going to shoot to have uh, Congressman Plaskett on this show very, very soon to discuss the U.S. Virgin Islands. But Puerto Rico and 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 others they have had with, with that have happened last year. We need to hope for the best, but prepare for the worst this hurricane season. That is already underway. And Mustafa, because you come out of the EPA, mm-hmm. kind of explain what this means where we are now with hurricane season. So hurricane Steve season starts in June, uh, runs to November. Um, and, you know, it is a time when we have to be extremely uh, vigilant um, and making sure that the right things are in place to help people to escape when these storms come. When we say Hurricane Harvey, Maria, uh, Katrina, we all have the images in our heads of the flooding that happens in that space of the extreme winds. You know, it used to be if we had a category four storm, uh, then, you know, we thought that was about as strong as it was going to get. Now we worry about category five storms, uh, with incredible winds, uh, people losing their homes, uh, hopefully not losing their lives, but also they lose their culture in that space as mm. well. And we got to be really focused on that because we have, you know, folks who then are spread across the country because, you know, places that can't be lived in. So we've got to be focused in all of this rev as we try and help people to understand goes back to the use of fossil fuels. That's right. uh, And the warming of our planet Um, as we warm up, the oceans warm up and it creates these more intense storms. Um, And if we're not focused on being very diligent and helping to begin to lower the amount of carbon uh, and other co-pollutants that we're putting into the atmosphere, we are going to have with regular consistency 
these back-to-back years of these just extreme storms. Um, and, you know, you know, we talk about the cost that's associated, you know, monetarily, but what we really are focused on also is the lives that are lost in that's right. that space. That's, 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 uh, so if you're just tuning in, you're tuning in to Hip Hop Caucus, think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. We just kind of got deep for a quick second here, y'all. This is not a game. And, you know, I'm, 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 a, little, I'm a little mad. I'm, I'm a little mad. I'm, uh, you know, Sierra, I'm, I'm kind of upset in here today. I'm, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little peeved up in here today. You know what I'm saying? We, we, not, we, you know, we, we not, we're not happy about this because people are losing their lives. They're losing their homes. They're losing their futures. And, and Mustafa, I need to kind of go back here for a second because you mm-hmm. mentioned something that the, the reason why folks are not getting engaged, the reason why people are not just being about other human beings, black, white, brown, you don't matter who you are, is because they're putting profits before people. And so I'm, I'm a little upset because people are doing that. And so I, I kind of want to talk, I want to kind of transition to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we can kind of talk because I think that there is something going on. And, you know, and, and as we, uh, we, I want to discuss you know, this whole money in politics thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so, you know, I actually just, you know, I actually saw a great documentary recently. And I actually think it's a great time to bring that up and to highlight that, which was called, you know, Dark Money. And so it's a new documentary about the influx of anonymous money in U.S. elections. And the film examines, so if we talk about all these things that's going on, you know, and what's, and what's not going on as far as policy, this film examined just how complex and far-reaching and devastating the consequences are from the Citizens United Supreme Court decision handed down in 2010. And so, you know, you can check out more about the film. As a matter of fact, it's at darkbuddyfilm.com. But again, it's the film I saw, man, Mustafa, that, that examined just how complex and far-reaching and devastating it is with money and politics. And we talk about just all the things going on from wildfires and floods and 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 heat and and hurricanes and literally people are sitting on their hands saying a lot. They know that climate change is real, but they just saying it ain't real because they they getting paid by the fossil fuel industry. Mustafa, why is it so important for folks to understand how money uh, or, or putting profit before people impacts climate change? Well, it impacts climate change just as you said because you know the when we talk about. Uh, having climate policy. When we talk about climate legislation, that means that there has to be a majority of folks uh, who are in either the state house or who are on Capitol Hill uh, who are going to move forward in that direction. So when you have this, um, what I often like to say is clandestine money. When Come we on talk now. About dark money. When you don't know where people are taking these these resources to push individuals and to uh, uh, also sort of share, you know, give them, give them a little something. Then what you find is that people who normally would have some common sense, um, begin to move in a direction that goes against common sense. Mm. And, and we see that play out time and time and time again. Now, the Supreme Court tried to, uh, back in, uh, you know, before the 2010 decision, tried to move people in the right direction and said, you know, one, we need to have transparency. So when we don't have transparency, we see these funny things going on, Rev. 
Mm. Um, and they tried to say, you know, that when you're going to have these ads and other things that, you know, you can't advocate for an individual, uh, you know, who's running for an office uh, or who currently holds an office. But now, because there's this lack of transparency, folks have no idea why folks are doing what they're doing because you can't track where the money's going, who's giving the money. And that's where we get into this dark money situation that we're about to dive into. And so we're going to play a little bit about that, that, that conversation so you can hear her um, about what she thinks and what's going on. But we're going to do something about this money in politics and dark money and making sure that, you know, organized people be organized money every single time. We're excited to jump into this conversation regarding dark money, money in politics, uh, with you, Kim. And well, first of all, welcome to Think 1%. Thank you very much. Um, how, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I've rushed down to New York, but uh, it's, here I am. I'm having a good time. That is, well, we, we are, we are, we, we want a few sort of questions to, to get to you. But I want to, before Anthony leaps in, I want to just hit you. Where are you from? I grew up in Montana. I, and so, so let's start there. Yep. Before we get to, I think, Anthony, coming with some great questions about this movie, talk about Montana and why that's the backup for this movie. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's important for people to be able to, especially with documentary films, which sometimes get a little bit, um, I, I think if you were to generalize about documentary films, I think the majority of them would come from the coasts from maybe New York and LA or California. And I think it's important. Think to, on that. Yeah, she's not there. Yeah. Are you from? I'm from Jersey. You're from Jersey, yes. yeah. So Close. you see what it's talking about. And a lot of times I think we we have a tendency to just kind of, sorry, Reverend, preach to the choir. The coolest show on climate but like sometimes we do that and you end up with documentary films that only uh, people who are predisposed to agree with those documentaries watch them and I wanted to uh, tell a story that was rooted in this the, the state that I grew up in but you know it's a it's a story that applies to every other state and so it's not just a story about where I grew up. It's not just a story about Montana. It's a, it just turned out that that was the best case study to look at these issues of money and politics. Going back to my home state where I knew a bunch of people, where I knew I wouldn't have the access and I knew I could tell the story in the long run, it just made for a, a very good case study on sort of a practical level. But then the more I studied the issue, the more I realized that this is really a the, like the best case study that you could find to follow these issues, mm -hmm. mostly because typically you can't ever really follow all of the money. Mm -hmm. But what happened in Montana, there were these accidental disclosures of evidence. Mm -hmm. There were these whistleblowers who come to the forefront. And the whole thing culminates in a trial that the whole state is watching. So we were in a situation where all of a sudden, everything was exposed, and we could tell this story. Kim, you know, taking on controversial topics can take a huge toll mentally and physically. Mm -hmm. And dark money is deep. Yep. I mean, you're taking folks in places that they probably have never gone before, yep. didn't even think existed. 
Can you talk a little bit about why you created this? Why did you take on this huge uh, endeavor uh, and probably brought attention on yourself along with these issues? You know, you know, a lot. <laughs> a lot of it was just getting into the story a little bit and realizing that it was deep. And then getting into it a little bit more and realizing it was deeper. And then getting a little bit more and getting, you, you, oh just keep, you just keep digging, right? Yeah. And so the nature of our story is that if you look at money in politics and money that is intentionally trying to hide itself, intentionally trying to muddy the waters, right, and just make sure that it can't be detected, it makes you even that much more curious about it. Um, and so that's what I was kind of where I was coming from, just as a as a person, as a storyteller who was digging into these issues. And then I hooked up with this journalist who you see in the film, John Adams. And he was doing the same thing. And he was uh, like, I, as, a, as a documentary filmmaker, I was kind of, um, you know, you approach the story a little bit differently. I was shooting for a longer horizon and, you know, thinking about a story that was going to evolve over years. And he was kind of doing this day-to-day or maybe week-to-week, month-to-month stories. But, you know, stories that turn around much more quickly than the ones that I was working on. And when you got the two of us together, it was, we were, I think we both kind of egged each other on a little bit. And um, once we we each started kind of lifting up a rock and seeing what was going on underneath that rock, um, we kind of had the, had a tendency to encourage each other to keep digging. So Kim, this is about coffees. Yep. This is that we think of this then. But I doubt the coolest show on climate change. I want to ask you about more of the about caucus part. So yep. you know that one of our goals that we really believe in democracy. Mm-hmm. Why that's so important for us is that particularly for people of color, yep. we have seen how people have kept us away from democracy. Yep. On every single aspect, from poll tax to lit test, voter ID, everything you can imagine. So, you know, the reason why this is such an important we want to have you here is because to think about that there are more ways in which our communities could lose power. And on top of that, not only lose power, but lose their lives. Mm-hmm. So while it's it is Montana, it was good to see folks like Don Tester and, mm-hmm. and then before Don Adams and all kind of things happening, it was scary. Mm-hmm. And so maybe take a step back because I think that for us, I think if people are are looking at money and politics, and many people go back to Citizens United and kind of start there and they kind of come forward. You know, as you're telling this movie, there's also a theme that you kind of tell a story of the human aspect. Of people are losing their voice. Mm-hmm. And people of color, sometimes the worst thing you can feel yeah. is when you lose your voice. Yeah. yeah. And talk about that part of the movement. Yeah. Like why it's important for people to pay attention. Yeah, I'm so glad you're talking about this because it's I think that's really what is at the root of our film is this fundamental sense of unfairness, of injustice that our democracy, with small d, I mean, we have this with small d, is being taken away from us, that people, that the citizens are having their voice taken away. Now, our film is a microcosm that focuses on Montana. It's a bunch of white people. 
right? I mean, we are not really addressing in our film directly the impact on communities of color, but I think that our film is very much... And to be fair, they have a whole lot of black folks on Yeah, that, there's... <laughs> a, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a few. Our film is representative in the sense that it represents the, you know, it's like 95%, 96% white people in Montana. So, yeah, our film is not like misrepresenting the population <laughs> 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 like the white people um, but it, it, but I think that when you talk about what, what's really going on in our film is about this access to democracy yeah. and I think that that access to democracy is something that was acutely felt in Montana and that injustice and unfairness was what we were seeing there and that's the story that we tell in this microcosm that we look at right that in some ways is a great case study, in some ways is, does not represent the rest of America in terms of communities of color, um, but it does make for a really good case study in money and politics. And when you look at this fundamental sense of unfairness that, that people were having in this case study that we were looking at, um, I think that really extends to communities of color really well, because what we're talking about is having a voice, having a voice in our democracy and being able to speak. And what was happening in the story that we happened to be following was actually a, a, a coalition of a, a group of Republicans who were working with the Democratic governor. Where the story that we were following were Republicans who were attacked with dark money. Mm. Explain by other Republicans. I think the folks listening <laughs> yeah. for the first time, I saw Ann kind of look up. We, we were listening to you know, Dark Money. Yeah. Explain Dark Money for those who don't have the right before. So Dark Money is when you're looking at a political campaign and this campaign is being funded by people who you don't know who they are. You don't have any idea who they are. You may see an, an ad uh, on TV or hear it on the radio where at the end it says, this ad was paid for by Americans for like nice things that everybody likes, mm -hmm. you know? Um, Americans for apple pie or this ad paid for by blah, blah, blah. And that sounds like, you know, it could be completely inoffensive. And um, so that's really what our, our film is looking at is these groups that... I would argue, and I think the film argues, distorts that democratic process in a way that removes the voice from citizens who are supposed to be voting in these elections. Mm -hmm. And what you see time and time again when you look at these, at these groups and the way that this anonymous money mm -hmm. in politics fun functions is that it's, it, it tends to consolidate power in the same group of people. And that same group of people is usually a bunch of rich white dudes who decide that they're going to elect a bunch of other rich white dudes and they're going to have power to a bunch of other rich white dudes. Mm -hmm. And that if you break that up and if you actually follow the money and if you find a way to have elections that are run that I would argue are closer to the way that our democracy was really founded, to have equal representation by the people, of the people, by the people, for the people, that if you put hands back into the power of people, 
what you see is more women running, more people of color running and in positions of power. And you see a much more egalitarian, much more representative democracy where the, the, the populace, the civilians, the voters actually have a voice. And I think that that's where, to kind of bring it back to where your question started, is like, that's what it's all about. It's like having that democratic voice taken away from us mm. is like, that's the sense of injustice and unfairness that drove, you know, a, a bunch of, a bunch of white dude politicians in Montana, but even it, that was the, still the same sense of injustice that drove them towards reform that ended up uh, with some of the strongest campaign finance laws in the country. And if you can do it there, I think, and that sort of injustice and unfairness was felt there, mm-hmm. I, I, I think you can do it in any state. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. That that's very powerful. I think about dark money the way I think about men in black, you know, not the, the movie with the, the aliens, but, you know, the stories you hear about how sometimes you have these folks who move into a space and nobody knows who they really are. There's no accountability in the process. Mm-hmm. They ask the questions, they answer the questions, and you have nothing in that space mm-hmm. yeah. in relationship to connecting. So we Bro, I'm so glad you explained it. I didn't know where you were going with that. <laughs> that, was, that was a great actually analogy, but I was like, well, I don't know where you going with that one. <laughs> Every now and then, you know, that, like, I get a little bit. I mean, maybe because I spent some time on Capitol Hill, I worked in federal agencies, and I, sometimes I'm like, how did that actually happen? And we always go back to, I had a boss who told me, if you want to know how priorities move, what's going on, follow the money. Yep. And he always, he drilled that into me all the time. Rev used to know him very well as well. But, so we know now that, you know, these, the dark money is crippling our democracy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's actually making sure that all voices, as you aptly said, are not a part of the process. Can you talk a little bit about the fossil fuel industry and politicians or healthcare and politicians and how these things are connected? Yeah, I mean... So when you talk about the issue of dark money, when you talk about anonymous money in politics, it's like there's a couple of ways to do that. I mean, since Citizen, you mentioned Citizens United, uh, that, that was a decision from the U.S. Supreme Court in 2010. You know, the catchphrase that everybody always talks about is that Citizens United said that, that corporations are people and money is speech. So, given the First Amendment and free speech rights, mm-hmm. okay, you can't let go down that. They just okay. that. This is a matter that I think people need to hear again. Yes, yes. Uh, this, that, that, So, you said people are people, right? I said corporation. What the Supreme Court said <laughs> is that corporations are people and money is speech. So, because you can't, because we have the First Amendment, because you can't inhibit speech on behalf of persons and corporations are persons you can't inhibit their the speech of corporations you can't inhibit the money that corporations spend in elections so therefore according to that thinking according to that reasoning corporations should be allowed to to spend unlimited money in political campaigns so I mean, that that was in, in many ways the genesis of this film, Dark Money, that we're talking about here. Because at first I was like, 
I don't understand that. How did we end up in a situation where the Supreme Court is going to? They can actually say that. I don't understand that reason that uh, corporations and people in speech is money and therefore, you know, we have unlimited money in political campaigns. And if you look at it, if you just take a step back from that and look at it as a citizen, you can just see that unlimited money is going to pour into elections and we've seen it Mm -hmm. since 2010. Look at bar graphs and it's just spending skyrocketing. And that's a problem, just the overall amount of money. But if you consider that a lot more of that money in every election cycle is becoming anonymous, and we don't even know where that money is coming from. We don't know who's behind it, what aims they have, how they're trying to move and influence policy and politicians. You don't even know if that money is coming from within the United States of America. Let's, stick, let's just stick with the facts, right? We know that the NRA is a 501c4 dark money group. Wow. We know that. We know that they were the largest outside group, right, that spent money in the Trump campaign. Between 31 and $36 million, I think this is, is the best, you know, whatever estimate that we have right now. And think of the word estimate, and it is crazy. Um, we know that that is three times as much as the NRA has given to any previous Republican candidate for president. Wow. And we know that Donald Trump grew up in Queens, New York, and never owned a gun. Right. So that's a whole other Right. But so we know that there's a lot of money coming through the NRA, 501c4 dark money group that's going to the Trump campaign. I would argue that we should be able to trace that and we should know what the influences are. And maybe it's just a bunch of people who like hunting and they, and I, you know, this is a democracy. Let's have that debate. Let's have it out in the open and let's talk about, you know, gun rights. You know, let's talk about the Second Amendment. But if you're going to funnel a bunch of anonymous money that's coming from who knows where, that's a problem. Yeah. I'll tell you what's an even bigger problem. As all of this news from uh, Helsinki and the whole media spotlight was training on Helsinki and all the kind of stuff that blew up there. Right as that was happening, Stephen Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, announced a rule change for the way that the IRS was going to operate. It used to be that, you know, if I, I'm the NRA, I get money uh, to the Trump campaign, I have to tell the IRS where, as the, as the NRA, I have to tell the IRS who my donor, where it was coming from. So I have to say, this person is a foreign national, this person is, you know, lives in, you know, across the street from me. What just changed was the, the fact that that paper trail no longer exists. And the IRS will not get those reports from the NRA saying, I know this is never going to become public, but just between you and me, this is where our money came from. That paper trail no longer exists, and we don't have any way of tracking it back to, did it come from a Russian oligarch? We won't know. And that is, I find it really scary that we're going to run 2018 midterms without having any idea where that money is coming from and what those influences are. And so, you know, go back to where we're talking about, like, where does, where does power get consolidated? 
and who is actually giving the reins to the most powerful government on the face of the earth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of, we're taking 10 steps back. If you look at what happens in Montana, a state that most people don't think of, I think it's fair to say, is this like bastion of radical reform, right? Folks looked at this system of dark money and felt like it was really unfair and passed some of the strongest campaign finance laws in the country. And all of that was based on... On the state level. On the state level. And it was based on the law of the land. So even within the Citizens United decision, even within Citizens United, even without being the law of the land, even with the Supreme Court that we have now or are going to have in a couple of weeks, there's an eight to one accompanying decision with Citizens United that says the reason we can say all this stuff about unlimited money in politics is because we are assuming that we're going to know where all this money is coming from. We're going to assume that there's disclosure of the, where the money is being funneled from, what these people's motives are. That isn't happening. And we can demand that according to the law of the land. And that's what happened in Montana. It's what's happening in California, where you're from. And if you demand to know what that you know, follow that the, the citizens want to be able to follow the money in our elections. Mm-hmm. We can we can see where this is coming from, and we can demand a lot of change. The other thing that we can do is there are a lot of moves around the country to in, kind of reinstitute public financing for people running for office. So the way that works is there's a public pool of money. If I run for office and I get I, I can either go next door and I can go to cocktail party millionaires and talk to them to fund my campaign. Or I can get hundred bucks from you, one hundred bucks from you, hundred bucks from you. And if that's matched six to one, like it is in New York City where I come from, all of a sudden I get seven hundred bucks from you and you and you. And it makes sense for me to talk to you know, not that you're all the everyday people, but it, like, uh, this is an example. So then as a candidate, it makes sense for me to talk to everyday people, right? Instead of going next door to talk to a party with millionaires, and all of a sudden our democracy is functioning again. And um, that's the sort of, that's the situation where you see people of color, where you see women, where you see a much more diverse set of candidates. Mm-hmm running for office and that's the that's the way that we we push back against it and that's what the sense of hope is so public financing with matching funds and Mm -hmm. demand disclosure so is that what you would give our listeners as as advice for these upcoming november elections these elections are like it feels like life or death these elections for so many people um is that some are advocating for public financing like I was talking about. Um, The fundamental thing, and it's something that we saw happen in Montana, is that if voters are just 
thinking about this issue and talking about this issue and making sure that their elected officials know that they're thinking about it and talking about it and voting on it, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden the candidates and the elected officials are like, okay, this is, I got to have a position on this. Uh, once I get elected, I'm going to actually have to do something about it instead of just talking about it. Right. And you can actually change the political climate. And I think that, that really, it um, has a tendency to clean up elections mm-hmm. and just let elected officials know that we're, that we're keeping an eye on this issue and it's really important. So how can people stay in contact with you and find out more about the movie? Yeah, it's, uh, we are opening in D.C. in like half an hour. So opening nationwide um, through PBS distribution is the name of the, the company that's taken us out in theaters. And uh, we'll be doing that throughout the summer and the fall. And then in October, we will uh, be broadcast on PBS again. Darkmoneyfilm.com, where all the screenings are, all the social stuff is uh, at Dark Money Film on Twitter and Facebook. That is great. Well, Kim, thank you so much. Yeah. Um, um, the movie, Dark Money, is very important. Um, and hope people can go out and see that. Yes, it is. And vote. Hopefully they vote and their voice matters. Yeah. But hopefully yours will be a lot of, a lot of light. And thank you for giving a little bit of a background on your, on your great home state. <laughs> oh, thank you. Right. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Welcome back. Welcome back to Hip Hop Caucus Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. And you were just listening to Kim Reed, who is the director and producer of Dark Money. And so as we, as we, as we come to the end of this show, um, you know, we did get a question. Shout out to Gary from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, um, Mustafa, Gary asked this question, does Citizens United have a chance to get overturned? Yeah, it does. It most definitely does. But there's always a process uh, that folks are going to have to go through. You know, there, there's those steps that we've got to do if we really want to make change happen in our country. So, you know, like tomorrow, Rev, there's a rally um, at the Supreme Court steps, uh, hashtag stop Kavanaugh. So first step is making sure that you have folks who are on the Supreme Court uh, who, you know, care about what's happening in our communities. And so you got to explain who Kavanaugh is. So first. Kavanaugh is uh, our current president's uh, nominee for the Supreme Court um, to take over for Justice Kennedy. Um, So we have to, uh, for those who want to get engaged in that process, you want to make sure that your voice is heard and you let folks know that if you're in support of that or if it's something you feel is not beneficial for our country, then you get engaged in that process. The other thing is what we always share with folks. You got to vote. So in November, um, you want to make sure that you're voting for members who care about your community and care about the issues that you get engaged with. So then, of course, um, as time goes by, folks could raise uh, a new set uh, of issues and a case that would make its way up through the court system, eventually making it up to the Supreme Court. And if you had a Supreme Court uh, that was, you know, uh, cared about these issues. And, and real quick, I think this, this is about Brett Kavanaugh and then also yep. um, 
voting and make sure to what the rally tomorrow, uh, what's going on on Capitol Hill in D.C. First up, get engaged tomorrow at the rally at hashtag Stop Brett Kavanaugh. Second, vote, get engaged, make sure that there are members who care about your issues and care about your communities. And then as a new case begins to make its way through the court system uh, and then back up to the Supreme Court, you will have folks who are there uh, who can move forward in an affirmative way. Mustafa, thank you so much for that. And thank you again, Kim Reed. Please, y'all, go and see Dark Money. It is it is a great film. I think you need to go and see that. Let me also say as we close, um, one, um, you heard Anthony Smith in an interview. Anthony Smith is one of our co-hosts. You're going to hear a lot more from Anthony Smith coming up in the, in the upcoming weeks. And it will be, be so important to, to, to listen to what she has to say. Um, and, and her questions, uh, particularly on the culture side, Mustafa, mm-hmm. um, with that. But I do want to mention this, I think, for the climate movement. As we're talking, we had this really heavy, heavy conversation. And I know sometimes these things are a little rough, and we kind of got into dark money, and that's even a little rougher. But I do, I kind of mentioned this, that it is true. Organized money beats organized people every single time. And one of the ways we organize that there is a global climate action summit that is happening in San Francisco, September 8th through the 14th. Real quick on that one. So anything you want to kind of give some comments on that process and why it's important? Oh, it is incredibly important because, uh, you know, individuals are coming, leaders are coming, uh, both from grassroots and from governments uh, and world leaders to San Francisco uh, to begin to continue to map out the direction that we need to go in addressing uh, the impacts from climate change. What I really appreciate uh, in that space is not only do you have sort of uh, folks from the government side and business and industry and, and others coming together, but you also have It Takes Roots, uh, which are grassroots leaders, indigenous grassroots leaders and, and others uh, who are also pushing uh, to make sure that there's a just transition and to make sure that the injustices that are happening from uh, climate impacts are also uh, highlighted and will be uh, also addressed. So there's a lot of energy that's going to happen in that space. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think 100 Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100, think 100.